0: it's 49ers cutback podcast time. Welcome to the show everyone. How's it going? Uh see chat is filling up and this is going to be a fun one. We're talking all about what happened in the joint practices. So, uh joint practices came and went. Let me guys let let everyone uh let me know uh what you guys thought about what you've heard so far and we're going to be going through some of those things as well. So, a fun time uh for the 49ers and you know, fun time to talk 49ers football. um, And yeah, what's up, Josh? How's it going? Josh is in the house. Uh, David's in the house as well. Um, And, you know, here we go right away. We've got some of the injury concerns. And Josh says, you think, Bell? I'm going Jameson. Uh, and he's talking about return because the 49ers came out today and said there were some injuries and that Kyle Shanahan was going to be kind of going over what those injuries were, and Ray McLeod was the big one. Ray McLeod injured his right wrist. I believe it was right wrist. It could have been the left. Uh, At practice on Tuesday, he was going up for a pass deep that Sam Darnold threw, and he injured his wrist. So it's going to require surgery, and that surgery is going to keep him out six to eight weeks. Likelihood is probably eight weeks, which means the 49ers are not only going to have a roster position open at wide receiver but also for a returner as well. And so Josh is saying, "Hey, you think it's going to be Ronnie Bell or do you think it's going to be Deshaun Jameson?" I think it's really interesting uh conversation because it could be either one of them actually. And I think the 49ers would love you know to get uh you know a veteran wide receiver, but they may not have that option now. And I think this is going to be one of the most interesting conversations, you know, that happens from these guys uh, because, you know, when it comes to the wide receiver position, the 49 have a plethora of players that can produce for this football team. And I think that when it comes to Raymond McLeod, he was a lock. And now the 49ers have some decisions to make at a few different spots uh, because when it comes down to it, the 49ers are going to have to figure out how to manage the roster they have to, re- they're going to have to go ahead and release someone probably and bring somebody back after moving Ray Ray McLeod to the IR. So the way it works, and what's up, Michael? How's it going? Uh, the way it works is Ray Ray McLeod, because he wasn't injured before the season, he's going to have to be on the 49ers active 53 man roster as of August 29th when they make their final cuts. Uh, that will put him on the week one roster. And then once that happens, Then the 49ers can go and they can put him on the IR creating a roster spot and then go find a wide receiver that they could bring in. Now they could go to some of their veteran wide receivers, Willie Snead, who is also a returner, who's been playing pretty well. Mike Conley, another guy that they could go and reach out to uh, and get him as well, uh, potentially get him to go along with it as well. You go ahead and you, release them, then you bring them back the next day. Maybe you kick them an extra, you know, $75,000, 100000 whatever on their contract, and then you bring them back and they become your fifth or sixth wide receiver and handle the recovery. So uh, Conley makes a lot of sense. Sneed makes a lot of sense. And what's up, Lou? How's it going? Hope you're having a good one. BV 50 in the house as well. So Ray Ray McLeod has been the, the overall uh, conversation coming out so far and, of course, that happened at practice. But the 49ers weren't done there, unfortunately, but suffered a few other injuries as well. Uh, George Kittle is dealing with an adductor, the same sort of injury that Elijah Mitchell was dealing with. Kyle Shanahan said that a dic- adductor injury was going to keep Elijah Mitchell on a week. And he had similar thoughts about George Kittle. Uh, they were looking at p- that potentially being a week as well. Dre Greenlaw. Uh, had a hamstring, and this happened during practices today, the joint practice against the Raiders. So Dre Greenlaw dealing with a hamstring. It seems to be on the mild side, so I'm cautiously optimistic about Greenlaw coming back. Uh, And really all it comes down to is him being back before the regular season. So the 49ers have plenty of time, a little over a month, before they need to place uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers on September 10th. So Greenlaw will be eased back in. That'll give opportunities to other players on the team to go out and make an impact, whether that is, you know, guys like uh, Demetrius Flanagan fouls or Curtis Robinson. Uh, there's going to be opportunities for the young guys as well. Uh, McCrary ball, Jalen Graham, D winners. All of them are going to have opportunities now to potentially get in there and make some plays. So, uh, I think that it's it's really a you know really a possibility for it. And Josh says right here, does Greenlaw injury mean more reps for rookie winners? I think it does, and I think there's more reps for McCurry Ball as well. Uh, that's the one thing about uh, Marcelino McCurry Ball is he's pretty much been able to play all three of the 49ers linebacker positions, and I think that that's one thing that is going to be important if you're going to make this roster is versatility. And I think the Niners feel pretty comfortable with their starting unit. Of course, the other linebackers are still going to be able to go out there and build and get after these guys. Uh, But I think they want that versatility, especially at the end of the linebacker room, because you're going to have a ton of players that are potentially going to get, you know, waived or released. Uh, We know that three linebackers for sure won't make it. It could be as many as four with the 49ers having to decide if they want to keep five linebackers or six. I'm leaning towards, They're probably going to keep six just because of the talent at the linebacker position. You don't want to just give it away for free. Could the 49ers turn around and trade a player away? Yes, they could, but we'll see what that market looks like. The 49ers do have GMs around the league that are excited about 49ers linebackers. And there's been so many good GMs that have left the 49ers front office and went out that potentially they could come back and and want one of these other guys, especially with all the reports coming out of Tennessee that the Titans are crazy happy with what's going on uh, with Aziz Al Shire. So I I think that that's, that's something that definitely uh, is going to be the right way. And Josh has so many good linebackers. uh, That's going to be rough. Yeah, it's going to be rough. The cuts are not going to be fun for any linebackers at all. Uh, And BV 50 comes with a good question here. Are you confident with the other defensive end position? I think the concern now with Drake Jackson being hurt uh, is about the depth. So I do believe the 49ers feel pretty good about their defensive end position overall, but I'm sure this is going to give them some concern because they don't really have a guy now that for sure can be a part of that you know that second unit that they feel has first-level capabilities. So where they have Nick Bosa and Drake Jackson, let's say Cleveland Farrell is on the second team, they feel like Cleveland Farrell is a good enough to be a starter in this league kind of guy. Well, now, if you lose Drake, you kind of lose one of those guys. So, yeah, Cleveland Farrell would start next, uh, opposite of Nick Bosa. I think he would do a good job. His hand technique's been good. He's been getting after the quarterback. He sets the edge pretty good against the run. I definitely think he's been more explosive playing for Chris Kasarik than he was playing in Las Vegas. A lot of that scheme, a lot of that is the way that they go about handling their business in San Francisco. But Um, I think it's something that we're still going to see from this team, but they've got Austin Bryant. They've got taco Charlton and Alex Barrett's been playing pretty well. So I would say I'm still confident. And a lot of the reason I'm still confident is because of uh, coach Chris Kacarek. So um, does Cleveland Farrell's success say more about him or about the struggles of the O-line? It's, it's pretty simple. It, it says a lot about Cleveland Farrell. Cleveland Farrell's looked good in several situations. And really, I mean, he's even had good reps against a guy like Trent Williams in practice. And if you're having good, successful reps against Trent Williams, you can have good, successful reps against anyone in this league. So I, I'm not real concerned about, you know, Cleveland Farrell. To me, he's been as advertised even more so than what we were expecting. I've always kind of liked this technique when I saw him coming from Vegas I went back and watched a lot of his film and I was I was excited about you know what he could provide the 49ers on the defensive line. So I haven't had as many worries about that at all. Uh Lou says, who's out there as far as for the edge, uh free agent edge? Um there's still guys out there like Jadavion Clowney is still available. You know, some of the bigger name guys went, uh Houston went this week. Um Yannick and went this week. Uh, but there's still some guys that are available that the 49ers could reach out to if they needed to. I think they've been more willing to go more under the radar picks and guy like Taco Charlton with a first round talent but maybe hasn't reached his expectations. I think the 49ers are more willing to go with guys like that and David Morazo is is understanding what's going on here. Um, he says curious to see how Austin Bryant looks. Austin Bryant has been fun. Watching him, he looks like a power forward. He's yeah, he's big, he's strong, fast, and he's been explosive since he's been back. So Bryant had another pretty good uh, joint practice today. All I've heard is good reports about what Austin Bryant did out there on the football field. So I think defensive end is going to be highlighted because of Drake Jackson injury. I don't expect it to hang on for Drake for very long, and he'll come back. Luckily, it's not as important right now, even though – Uh, He's one of those players that I think the 49ers want to get as many reps as he could possibly get. They need him to get a lot of reps because in the grand scheme of things, you need Drake Jackson capable and playing the best that he could possibly play as soon as you uh, kick the tires and get going. So I think that right now the 49ers are probably not too worried, uh, but as we get closer to the season, if they're still dealing with injuries, it's something they're going to have to work on that's for sure. And I think, you know, that's the concern is these injuries are going to kind of build up a little bit. It's normal. I think the one thing to remember is besides Ray and McLeod, most of these are soft tissue injuries and nothing that, you know, you can really do about them. Foreigners have done a pretty good job of monitoring the way that they go about practice coming off these off days. They've been going with a easy day, then they've been ramping it up for a very high day, and then they've been going medium and then back to that break. So, this model has worked for the 49ers, but we're seeing kind of the dog days of training camp catching up to some of these players, and it's just the way it goes sometimes. And so, I think that, um, you know, that's one thing that the 49ers got to continue to monitor is the health of their players. And the whole goal is by September 10th to be as healthy as you could possibly be. So, Ah, uh, that that's a big possibility. And uh, Josh says, any reports on how our O line did and? Yes, there is some reports on it. In fact, i w- I was scouring looking for offensive line content because let's be honest, if it's not about guys like, oh, uh, you know, quarterbacks, it's probably <laughs> it's probably hard to find. and quarterbacks are always over. And thanks so much to J. Ellie for uh, being a member for 22 months and using his membership abilities to say slap that like button crew. Congrats on the new partnership. Thank you so much, JLE. So yeah, for those of you who don't know what JLE is talking about uh, over the last couple of weeks, I have joined believe uh, they are now doing my, uh, have my podcast on believe network and they distribute it to all of the audio platforms. And then now, uh, with uh, PSF pro sports fan app. Uh, we're going to be doing live streams of the game. So you guys can hop on there and hear commentary and it will be announced soon, but I'll go ahead and and spill it right now. Uh, Mark Adams from 49ers Camelot will be joining me for shows on the app and during the live stream. So you guys will catch both of us on that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward uh, to all that, but let's get back to the offensive line. Like Josh said I really want to make sure uh, that we, you know, we kind of break into it and and talk, you know, about what's going on uh, in offensive line land because I think it does get missed so much. Uh, but here's the report, and this is coming from Jack Hammer. So thank you so much, Jack Hammer, for doing the work on getting some offensive line breakdowns. It says Colt McKivitt and Spencer Burford uh, both were doing very well and winning in their one-on-one reps, and they did good. In the two-on-two duo reps, where they were working on picking up stunts, Uh, so that's good news. That means you're seeing that chemistry of those two guys working together, and then being able to handle the duo reps, which I love because uh, that's when you got to learn to pass guys off. That's when you got to you know work together to be able to double team and push up. There's lots of things you can do in those. To me, those are fantastic reps. And then, and it was a lot of the same for Trent Williams and Aaron Banks. And uh, Trent Williams won his reps against Max Crosby, while Banks, according to Jack Hammer, looked immovable. So I've seen pretty much consistently throughout training camp uh, that those guys have looked pretty good overall in camp. I thought Jake Brendel looked really good, and now we're getting reports that they held up. I do know Max Crosby, from other reports that I've read, did get after Colton McKivitz a couple times. But I think that's to be expected, right, when you're out there and you're in these practices. Sometimes you're going to win. Sometimes you're going to lose. But I think it's good news because I think the offensive line is farther along than it was last year. I think with Colton McKivitz, he's playing at a pretty high level. uh, But everybody else has improved on last year, minus Trent. I don't know if he can get better than he was last year. But if anyone can, it's him. But Banks, Brendel, and Burford have all continued the upward trend You could tell they feel confident. They understand where they're supposed to be. There's less thinking. And so I think this 49ers offensive line is definitely primed to have a really good season. Uh, So I'm excited. I'm excited about it. And uh, yeah, uh, Josh is going against Max is awesome for McKibbin. Yeah, and that's one of the things that, you know, they're missing without having Nick Bosa in camp. If Bosa was in camp, then Colton McKibbin would be getting that work against him. And that could be hugely pivotal but the good news is he does get to go against Max Crosby and he's going to get to go against other guys as we get through uh, the preseason. Cause I think Colt McKibbitt is going to get some snaps at some point. It's just not, uh, you know, not probably as many as you would expect now that he's a starter. So I don't think he really needs those reps. I think that Colt McKibbitt is going to be comfortable and confident, but it is nice for these joint practices to happen because uh, it gives guys extra work and, that's what we want to see. And I think one thing to remember with joint practices, because I am going to go through some of the quarterback conversation because people definitely want to talk about it is one thing to remember when you're going into these uh, training camp joint practices is yes, even though you're playing another team, you're still just running plays. Uh, so it's a lot like you're 11 on 11s at practice. You're not really game planning. So you're not looking at the Raiders per se and saying, Hey, I've broke down their personnel. I've broke down what they do as scheme and these types of plays and these design plays are going to attack their weaknesses. You're going out there. You're running your bread and butter. You're running the plays that work uh, for you against a cover two or a cover three or quarters. And you're going out there and running those plays and hoping they're going to be successful. So, uh, success during joint practices needs to be less measured on results of a play and more on individual battles between the players on the field. So if you're in an 11 on 11 play and Max Crosby beats Colton McKivitz, that's a win. That's something to, to monitor how those guys battle each other throughout practice, but less results like touchdowns and things like that, moving the football, uh, not huge to me. So I think that that's something to still monitor and watch, but, uh, it's when it comes to these joint practices, think less results and more individual results and just how execution happens. You're more wanting these guys to make sure, uh, they're executing their jobs. And I think that's the most important thing overall. So, uh, Portola says, is that mini camp tryout sensation player, wide receiver, Jacor Pearson still available? I believe he is. I don't think anyone signed Jacor Pearson. So yeah, he's still available. I think the 49ers overall though, uh Portola are very excited with their wide receiver room. Ronnie Bell, uh Conley, um you know, uh Willie Sneed, Tay Martin, uh, they've got a lot of capable people to be wide receiver five and wide receiver six while Ray Ray McLeod is out. But uh Jacor Pearson's definitely someone exciting. He's got a lot of speed. I think the big concern with him is going to be the fact that he's five foot seven. And I think if he was taller, he'd probably be in the NFL right now. But uh, size and weight, I think, are a concern for a lot of the NFL teams, even though we've seen it uh, go where these smaller players have definitely made an impact before. Uh, So we'll we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Lou says, are we going to see Zakel enough in the preseason? i like to know if he's the real thing or not. Yeah, we're going to see him. Uh, So Nick Zakel had some snaps again in practice today, so... Uh, Zakel has been playing left guard primarily, and then he's been getting some snaps at center. And I think that Nick Zakel is going to play a lot during the preseason. You're going to see a lot of him because he's in a battle right now to make this roster. The 49ers are trying to figure out if they're going to keep eight or nine offensive linemen. And Zakel, the only way he's going to make it is he has to prove he's consistently getting better and better for them to be willing to keep two interior offensive linemen like him and John Feliciano. And the whole time he's got to beat out Poe because Poe has uh, been looking better, looking more confident and comfortable. So I think that right now, Zakel's going to get a lot of playing time. I think we're going to see a lot of Jason Poe. We're going to see a lot of the backup guys, and it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, so I, I think right now the training camp is you know going the way it is, and preseason is where the excitement's going to be because we're going to really get to see this depth and how this 49ers team ends up rounding out. So uh to me, that's that's the way that I love training or I love preseason is watching all those big time you know games or is big time uh yeah, the big time games between the second and third strings. That's when I get really excited about preseason. I know preseason is less about the starters and more about everyone else, so yeah, I get excited about it for sure. And then uh what's up? How's it going? Uh Paul, welcome to the show. I'm glad you were able to get get over here and and stop by. So, we talked 49ers offensive line and I got to mention the quarterbacks because uh I just want to kind of go over what they were doing. Um I'm like I said, I'm I'm less concerned about the overall uh you know, final what they did as far as stats, uh, but I want to go through reps. So Brock Purdy got 27 reps. I think that is that's good. Trey Lance got 19. Sam Darnold got nine. So I wonder if the expectation is that tomorrow in day two, that Sam Darnold will get more reps and maybe uh, Trey Lance's reps will taper down. So I'm curious about how the reps are going to be distributed between those three guys. Brandon Allen got no reps. I wouldn't be surprised if that doesn't continue as well with him getting no reps. Cause they, you know, he's going to play in the preseason game for sure on Sunday, Brandon Allen will. And I think Trey and Darnold will as well. So I think those guys, the reps will end up balancing out. But right now, uh, Trey Lance was the, the big victor as far as quarterback two versus quarterback three, getting 10 extra reps compared to Sam Darnold. And with that, let's just go over the numbers real quick. Passing, Brock Purdy, 11 of 16. Trey Lance, 6 of 12. Sam Darnold, 1 of 3. Not really worried about it, but I think this is just kind of you know what you expect from these joint practices. Like I said, less about results. Uh, more about making sure you're executing, going through your reads, uh, you know, trying to find the right guys. I think that's what they're working on right now, and it's it's a good thing. It's it's really good. And Josh says, any news on Bill? Did he dress? So no, he did not dress, uh, but there is news on him. He is dealing with a hamstring, so that is why Robert Beal hasn't been practicing. For everyone that's been wondering, yesterday I broke it down that you know that's what happened to Kalia Davis. So I've been just trying to find out what's going on with these players that aren't suiting up. And that's what the news was. I found out about Robert Beal. He's been dealing with a hamstring. So the hamstring bug kind of caught up to Austin Bryant, Robert Beal, uh, now Drake Greenlaw and Drake Jackson. This is common when you're guys, who, especially that are, are used to building off explosion, you're coming up there and you're playing defensive line. You got to explode off. You can have hamstring things. Uh, for the most part, everything that I've understood about these injuries is that they're all minor and they're not, you know, severe uh, hamstring pulls because if they were, you're talking, you know, six to eight weeks potentially for an injury, but not in this case. I think the 49ers are okay with Beal with, with Robert Beal. There's no incentive for them to keep him out, you know, with, with other players, you know, a guy like uh, Darrell Luter Jr. There's an incentive now for the 49ers to not bring him back because he wouldn't count against the roster and he could just, stay on PUP all the way into the regular season. They can still bring him back, but because he started training camp on PUP, he can stay on PUP into the regular season. Everybody else, Kalia Davis, Robert Beal, everyone else that's been injured, they um, they have to be on the active 53-man roster or they have to be waived. So the 49ers are going to have some decisions right there for sure. So I think it's, it's something that the 49ers are still working on, but I would expect Beal to come back at some point or the four years are gonna to have to make a decision uh, like they did with Curtis Robinson last year. You know, can they talk to a Kerry Hyder? Can they talk to a Taco Charlton and say, hey, we're we're gonna go ahead and release you? Uh, and then you know, tomorrow when we put Robert Beal on the IR, we'll sign you to a new contract. I think that's something that the four ers do. Uh, it's definitely a smart way to get the guys that you need to get onto your roster and not worry about losing them. But right now, the four ers would, I'm sure, would love to see what Robert Beale. Uh, can do there's no real incentive you know unless it's just hey since he's been hurt let's keep him out and let's put him on IR and show that he's not healthy that I don't know but uh, we'll see bv50 says and does a guard that plays both sides have value or is it par for the course so the way Chris Furster goes about building his offensive line is he actually makes his guards uh, interior offensive linemen be able to play not just both guard spots but center as well There's so many limitations on how many offensive linemen you can keep because you need a talented roster everywhere else uh, that you got to make sure that your offensive linemen are capable of playing multiple positions. So with your tackles, it's swing tackle, right, playing both sides. And with your guards now, it's not just playing left and right guard but playing center. Center is the big adjustment because you got to get used to having your hand between your legs as you're snapping. You got to get used to making the line calls, uh, adjusting for protections. There's a lot that goes to it and with it. But um, I think that right now, that's just how Chris Furser attacks it. So they play left and right guard and they play center. And so far, we've seen several guys be able to do that. Uh, John Feliciano, Nick Sakel, Keith, uh, Keith Ishmael, and now um, also Jason Poe, all are being capable of doing that. So the 49 have four options to choose from i think Zakal and feliciano are on the top of that list that's for sure so josh says uh cameron lott who's still struggling to catch the ball yeah that's true and i think what it is is right now it's a lack of focus he's got so much he's thinking about and processing about this offense that he just hasn't been able to secure these catches when i watched him at training camp i noticed he was taking his eye off the ball at times trying to turn up the field so what he's got to do is slow down, like, all right, kid, it's not time to make a big-time play. It's time to make sure you secure the catch first and then become a ball carrier. So he's got to adjust to some of that right now, and uh, he's going to have to adjust quick because, you know, this this league waits for no one. But I do think Cameron Lottie will figure it out. I'm hoping he's going to figure it out during the preseason because that would be, Really good news for the 49ers. So when it comes to the quarterbacks, no real concern about what they were doing. There were moments where all three quarterbacks looked really good. Uh, Brock Purdy was able to you know, distribute the football to his playmakers, convert on some third downs, got a touchdown uh, in the red zone. But he also threw one on the sideline to Christian McCaffrey that would have resulted in a touchdown. And then Trey Lance made some really nice throws, too. So I think for their first action against another team in practice, I thought they held up really well and that is good news overall for the 49ers because this quarterback room has been the most talked about room around but it's it's gonna be just fine i'm telling you it's gonna be just fine and then when you're talking about uh the guys that are now kind of being thrusted into action and we're probably going to see more of in training camp guys we talked about earlier like taco charlton austin bryant uh this is opportunities for those guys to get in there and make some plays and earlier I did see a comment, you know, where, uh, someone had asked about maybe, um, you know, a thinned out, um, Kinlaw potentially coming in and, and playing. I think it was, yeah, here it was BV 50 said, do you try Kinlaw DN? I hear he's lighter and quicker this year. Um, it wouldn't be Kinlaw uh, for the mere fact that it would probably be Eric Armstead. Armstead of course is the most likely to move out. If he had to, he's a base four, three guy. Uh so I don't think that's the case right now. And the Forty ers still have some very talented defensive ends, uh, even though they have Drake Jackson and Nick Bosa out, who were projected starters coming into training camp. You still got Cleveland Farrell. You got Kerry Hyder, who started a lot of games in this this league. Austin Bryant, Taco Charlton, both of them are capable edge rushers. And so you've got a plethora of guys that are available. And I think at some point, if the they think that these injuries are going to linger, then they'll have to make other moves. Uh, But right now, I don't think that's a big concern for the 49ers going into day day two of joint practices tomorrow. And I think day two will probably have a few changes. Uh, Both teams will adjust a little bit to what the other was doing. It was very clear, Jimmy Garoppolo said that uh, the Raiders offense is different under McDaniels than it was when he was in New England. So there's, I'm sure, a little bit of uh, adjusting. uh, So, you know, right now, I think it's something that the 49ers are going to adjust to. I'm curious to see what the reps look like and also something to pay attention to for day two is who slides in for Drake Greenlaw at will linebacker. Uh, is it going to be Demetrius Flanagan fouls or um, you know, who's it going to be? I think that's going to be something to watch and how those reps are garnered uh, because then we're going to get a really good idea of who's playing where. So Josh says are you live streaming the preseason game. I won't be live streaming this first preseason game. So, uh, the app is rolling out on the 14th. The Basically, the one for Android is coming on the, thir- the 14th. So uh, I will see. There might be a time where I do a preseason game, one of the two preseason games that are remaining. But as of right now, I have no plans to stream this one. I do have a plan to stream after, so you can come check out the reaction show. I know everyone does one, but uh, it's, it's always a lot of fun to do those um, reaction shows for sure. Um, Paul says, I'm going to try it again at F- five and a half sacks for Kinlaw. I love it. You got to be optimistic about, you know, the fact that Kinlaw's is going to have a pretty good year. And, I, and to be honest, Paul, the way he's looked through in training camp and the way that he's been able to stay healthy with no days off, no maintenance days, you got to feel really optimistic about what he can do, uh, if, for this 49ers team this year. So what do we expect from day two, of 49ers joint practice, well, I think you're going to expect a lot of the same. They're, they're going to go out there, uh, strategic practices today with the offensive line, for instance, one-on-ones and duos. That's great work. Uh, they'll continue that, and they do a lot of drills working together just to get you know different looks from different types of players. It's not all about the 11-on-11 work that's going on, uh, but I'm always excited about the 11-on-11 work, and I think it's all about just getting in a rhythm. You know, for quarterbacks and stuff, it's about getting in and out of the huddle. It's about moving the ball, uh, taking advantage of situations, you know, getting to third and short. And one thing that wasn't talked about enough was the 49ers run game was explosive today. Uh, So I know all the attention goes, you know, to the the quarterbacks, but the run game for the 49ers was real explosive. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was, you know, exploding and, and creating a big run game of opportunity. So that would also play into how you do a game plan. I think if the 49ers had a game plan in set and then they were, you know, struggling at times with the Raiders, I would have more worries for sure. Um and then we got yeah I love this from Josh. Uh, hopefully tomorrow somebody uh, gets a pick off from Jimmy. I know Fred Warner wants it so bad. And then you had the comments from Charverius Ward where he's talking about how much he likes Jimmy Garoppolo. He says yeah, but I'm sure gonna I'm still gonna pick him off. I, I just love that uh, that commentary. And BV50 says uh, and I saw a snapshot of Jimmy G and Brock chatting together. Were they closest teammates? My understanding of them together is that Jimmy G really did show Brock Purdy the ropes. And then Brock looked up to him and he really learned how to be a professional from watching the way Jimmy Garoppolo handled everything from the way he approached uh, meeting rooms to how he approached going and practicing or dealing with teammates. Brock Purdy looked up to Jimmy Garoppolo and how he did things. So I think that's, you know, really good news for the, the 49ers about, you know, how Brock is going to carry himself as a teammate and as a professional, because when it comes down to it, Jimmy Garoppolo, there's lots of things people cannot not like him about, uh, but the way he handles himself as a professional uh, to his peers, to the media members, I think has never been a problem. And so Brock learning that I think is good news. And I do like that they went to each other and kind of, you know, talked and, and shook hands and stuff. And uh, that that's always good. Um, and that that's really what you're looking for, you know, from teammates who move on. And there's no bad blood. They know this is a business and this is how it goes. And now it's Brock Purdy's time to shine. It's, it's his time to make an impact and Jimmy Garoppolo's going his own way and doing his own thing. Uh, But that's kind of how it goes sometimes. But uh, thanks everyone for joining me for this episode about day one of joint practice, looking forward to talking about day two tomorrow. I hope you guys will all come through and, and join in as well. And I'll catch you guys on the next one until then stay safe. And remember the right way is always the 49ers way.